Hey folks, it's JR. Back for another episode of Echoes of Shannon Street Case File. This is going to be episode 26. Let's talk about this. Before we get into the episode, don't forget to click on the link below in the description if you want to listen to the podcast of Echoes of Shannon Street Case File. You can listen to it there. You want to buy a copy of the book, the documentary. You want to go on the Facebook site that I have for the book. If you want to go to my website, all the above. While I'm talking about the link, it's the coolest thing. My wife showed it to me. I went to this site called Linktree. What Linktree does is you can put all your podcast sites, your book site, uh, Facebook site, all of that. You can put it all in one spot. So when you click on that link below, it'll just give you the whole laundry list of everything that uh, I've got. Uh, it's just amazing. We, we definitely live in the greatest country in the world. That uh, you can go to one site and get it all. So, of course, you got to remember I'm old. So I, maybe I am easily impressed. But I thought that was pretty cool. Anyways, uh, now I digress. Today's episode, we're back to negotiations. Yes, negotiations. And I have a singing feeling they're going to continue to be non-productive. But now that's just a hunch on my part. I can't swear to it. Before we do that, though, let's listen to a clip from the documentary, true crime documentary, Shannon Street, Echoes Under a Blood Red Moon. And then we will get into negotiations. I lost my ring. And I'm sorry. And I didn't care about the wedding ring. I was just thankful that he was okay and that it, um, he could come home to me and two babies. Okay, on this one here, I, I don't know the time, date, anything. It was some reason it's, it's not on this page. We do know this is January 12, 1983. We do know it's in the morning. All right, here we go. We understand you call yourself the Lunch Bunch, a prayer group. If you are that way, Lynn, then you want peace. Pick up the telephone. Let's talk about it, Lynn. We can help you get everyone out of there without anyone being hurt. Too many people have already been hurt already. How about letting someone talk to me on the telephone, Lynn? Put Linnell on the telephone or Squeaky. How about letting somebody else talk to me, Lynn? You can let Linnell talk on the telephone. Lindbergh, put the telephone back on the line. Put the telephone back on the hook. Come on, Lindbergh. It is up to you now. Put the telephone back on the hook. Let's talk about this thing. Lindbergh. Lindbergh. Come on, Lindbergh. Pick the telephone up and talk to us. Someone hollers out, negotiator, that was Hester. That was Hester just hollered out the west side window. Said, do what he said to do. What he said to do, the east side, I'm sorry. Negotiator, Lindbergh, we don't know what you want. 
we have to talk to you on the telephone to do what you want us to do. Then, Berg, we want you, we want to do what you want us to do. We want to cooperate, but we can't talk to you unless you put the telephone back on the hook. Put the telephone back on there so we can talk to you. Come on, Lindbergh. It's up to you. We can't talk to you without a telephone. Put the telephone back on the hook and talk to us. Come on, Lindbergh. You are the leader of the group now. Put the telephone back on the hook so we can do what you want us to do. We have to talk to you, Lindbergh. We don't know what you want us to do unless we can talk to you. Pick up the telephone, Lindbergh, and talk to us. I don't believe he can hear the radio because I am just outside a window that is broken out and I can't hear the police radio. But I was able to hear the officer about five or six minutes ago. Negotiator. Lindbergh, pick up the telephone, talk to us what you want us to do. Pick up the telephone, Lindbergh, and talk to me. Tape in. Tape number three, sign number two, page number two. We want to tell you over the telephone. Pick it up. Pick up the telephone so we can talk privately about it, Lindbergh. Come on now. It is up to you. Lindbergh, you are the leader of the group. You are responsible for everyone in there. Lindbergh, pick up the telephone. If you can hear me on the unit there, I think it may be worthwhile to check with the telephone company and see if we can make that telephone ring in spite of the fact that it's off the hook. And folks, remember, when you see uh, words in parentheses, that means that's negotiators talking amongst themselves. They're not on the radio or they're not on the bullhorn. Pick up the telephone, Lindbergh. Come on now, pick that telephone up and let's talk about this. You remember what George told you, Lindbergh? He told you and him could work this thing out. He helped you once before, remember? He told you right then. He has told you right this time, too, Lynn. He is waiting to talk to you. It is up to you. Pick up the telephone. We need batteries for the North Precinct radio and for the Unitel also. Hester is between that window and this back room here. And the back room drops off just a little bit. And that is where they have their prayer meetings back in there. Hester came to the window a little while ago or came somewhere close to it and hollered, do whatever they tell you to do. He didn't sound distressed. He just hollered. It was a good sign to me. He is conscious and sounded good. I don't know what he has been through during the night, but in any event, if you do have to go in, no one has ever come to that window. I have been there since 5 o'clock. When I first started talking on the bullhorn, they did pick up the telephone. This one guy, Lindbergh, you know about him, 48-year-old male black mental patient. Well, now he is the leader of the group. He is the head of the group, but he doesn't refer to himself as Jesus. No, they do a Bible prayer study, and they got screwed up somewhere to smoke pot, and they do that, and they don't drink water, they don't eat pork, and they fast a lot. He has been in TPH. He doesn't take his medication 
anymore. He ran his wife off a week ago. She hasn't been able to come back. Now, TPH, he's just referring to the mental facility that Lindbergh was at. Okay, Lindbergh, it is up to you. We have been waiting for you to pick up the telephone. It is up to you, Lindbergh. Pick up the telephone. You are in charge of that group in there. You are responsible for them. You need to check on them. Check and see what you can do to help them. Pick up the telephone. Let's talk about it, Lindbergh. They have got two radios and two pistols in there, probably five or six males. I don't know about any females. Have got the officer's pistols, too. I talked to a couple of men across the street, and they fired at them 14 times, and they were firing back. They had a little gun battle, so they probably don't have an awful lot of ammunition, but you don't know what they had in the house. I talked to one of the men who had been in the house, the leader's brother, and he said he didn't have any guns. They have a picture out there on the tree, I understand, wanted for murder, picture of a policeman in a pig uniform, and then they got a little Polaroid picture under that of some policeman in uniform, and we haven't been able to tell who it is. So that is the attitude. White people are considered devils, according to this guy. Now, what's going on is you've got relief negotiators are being briefed by the negotiators who have been working all night. They're just giving them a brief rundown of what they know about the situation. How about it, Lindbergh? How about picking up that telephone and talking with us? You are the leader of that group, Lindbergh. You are responsible for each and every one of them. Some of them may want to come out, Lindbergh. How about letting them come out? If you are their leader and they decide they want to come out, Lindbergh, you are obligated to let them come out. We're not here to hurt you. We're not here to hurt anyone. All right, folks, what you're looking at here is that same familiar crime scene diagram that I like to use. The overview of uh, the immediate area. Now, of course, you've still got the, the attack unit. They've got a sniper on, or snipers on the roof of the elementary school. Now, that sniper that's on the south side, that's behind the house, they've actually got the sniper in, in the house on Curry. There's an abandoned house. But now they've also got tack guys that are crawling around around the backyard and in the area around the fence of the backyard. Now, either side of, of the target house, the target house is 2239 Shannon. You see the, the X there marking it. You've got tack unit with, con, and their only job is contain east and west sides of the house. Now, if you see that light blue circle or dot, that is the approximate area where the negotiators would stand when they were on the bullhorn. They would come outside and stand and talk on the bullhorn. Just to give you an idea, uh, most of y'all that have watched some of these episodes are probably familiar with the layout, but it never hurts to go over it one more time and 
just to keep you up to date on what everything looks like. And what they're talking about when they're talking about where they think Hester's at, they're talking out between the northeast bedroom and, of course, that next window on the house on the east side, that's going to be the window for the kitchen. And then the next room would, of course, be the den. And then when he's talking about that drop-off, that's the meeting room in the, in the far rear, the far south of the house. So that's what they're talking about when they're talking about where Hester might be. Bobby was actually kept, also Hester was actually kept for primarily in the northeast bedroom, and then he was moved to the living room later on. Tape number three, sign number two, page number three. Negotiator, we are trying to resolve this thing peacefully. Too many people have been hurt already. Let them come out the front door, Lindbergh. Come on, Lindbergh, bring them to the front door. We had radio contact with him. He cussed us all night long. And then finally, we got him on the telephone a time or two, and he gave me a good cussing a time or two. One time, he said the only thing that I can remember right now, anyway, within reason, no one in there is hurt, and I'm shot in the arm, so you might pass it along to this group here. End of tape. Tape number four, sign number one, page number one, time approximately 6.45 hours. That's 6.45 in the morning. This is gonna be January 12th, 1983. Negotiator, it is up to you, Lindbergh. We are doing everything we can. We want to do just exactly what you tell us to do but we can't do that, Lindbergh, unless we talk to you. What harm can there be in you picking up the telephone? Pick up the telephone now. Lindbergh, come on, Lindbergh. Those people in there are counting on you. Each and every one of them is counting on you, Lindbergh. If you can hear me on the Unitel, we need some batteries for the North Precinct radio. It is breaking up very badly. Can you get us some batteries for that, please? How about it, Lindbergh? Pick up the telephone, talk to us. We have been out here all night long, Lindbergh. We are not here to hurt you. We are not here to, we are here to help you. We need to talk to you about this situation, Lindbergh. Meet us halfway. Pick up the telephone and talk to us, Lynn. Jeff or R.O., before all the uniformed officers on the scene make the change, there are some in the hallway out there who were on the scene of the shooting, and Mike could give us some information relative to the TAC unit. Why don't you have someone talk with them and see if there is any intelligence information we may have missed out on? Lindbergh, George is still here with us. So is your family. They would like to talk to you. They can't talk to you unless you hang that phone up. Lindbergh, you could let someone answer the telephone, Lynn. Let someone else answer it. We know you want us to do something for you, but we don't know what you want. 
We can't find out unless we can talk with you, Lindbergh. Hang up the telephone, Lindbergh, so we can call you. Come on, Lindbergh, be a leader. Be a leader, Lindbergh, and get on that telephone, talk to us. You were trying to else us what you wanted earlier in the night. I think that's supposed to be you were trying to tell us what you wanted earlier in the night. I think the transcriptionist left out something. Tell us now, Lindbergh. Pick up the phone and tell us. Are you hearing anything now? No, not much at all heard some movement a while back when you said there was movement at the back window. Heard some movement in the back den part. Seems as though that might be where they are. Is there any movement at the window? None at all. No one has even been to the window. It has been lighted all night. Apparently, there is no one in that room. Uh, this window is broken out, though. Looks like a brick or some large object has been thrown through it. There is a hole in it about 10 to 12 inches in diameter. Lindbergh, remember, you're responsible for all those people in there. We have medical people standing by that can help you or anyone else who needs it. But we don't know what to do, Lindbergh, unless we talk to you. How about picking up that telephone talking with us? I heard some movement. I heard some movement here a minute ago. Lindbergh, remember what George told you. George said he could help you. He said he's willing to try and help you, Lindbergh. He wants to talk to you. He asked you to pick up the telephone. So did Tommy. How about picking up the telephone now and talking with them? Come on, Lindbergh. It is up to you now. George wants to talk to you. He has been here half the night. He is an old fella, and you are keeping him up. And he is your friend, Lindbergh. He wants to talk to you. Talk to him and let him go home. Lindbergh, we are not going to leave until we talk to you. You are going to have to pick up that telephone and talk to us, Lindbergh. Okay, folks, that's going to wrap it up. Looks like we are still at an impasse with negotiations. So be a little frustrating, I think, to keep talking and talking and you're not getting a response or a reply or acknowledgement of any kind. And I'm sure the negotiators are frustrated as well. At least some of them are. Some of them appear that they are not really aware of, of what's going on don't seem to realize that this is a real-world situation. The, the total failure to acknowledge the fact that Hester is still being beaten and that negotiations are non-existent. And it, just, it seems like those two thoughts are not co-mingling as they should. But anyways, that's enough for this episode, folks, and we will be back in a day or two, and we'll go back to radio transmissions. I do appreciate y'all listening in, folks. Subscribe if you haven't already, and I will see you down the road.